Everybody likes guns. They just don't know it. Deep inside of the soul, there's a cowboy trying to get out. Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Hello and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 217. I'm one of your hosts tonight, Michael, and tonight I have Amanda. Hello. Josh. Good day. And Thomas. Hello. How's everyone doing tonight? Good. Yeah, we're doing pretty good here. We're a little tired, I guess. Yeah, I think Lots of yard work today. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it was a warm one out there today. Did you guys get a random downpour of rain at all? (gasps) No? Not today. It was a little bit unsettled, but no rain. No. No. We had just an absolute torrential downpour for five minutes, right in the middle of the day, just so that you had to, you know, run back and put everything away. Oh, fun times. Yep. Anyways, Amanda, what have you been up to? Well, not a whole heck of a lot, but uh, it was the that long weekend Monday. We made it to the range, and uh, I tried out Josh's Ruger Wrangler. Um, it was definitely a lot of fun to use. Um, I didn't like the loading and unloading. It was a task. Um, but I, I'm assuming with time I would get used to it. I will say it is a cool gun to play with and for the price and just like the bolt action it has the same process of cocking the hammer back similar to um, like that whole resetting which I find I can uh, refocus myself a lot better when I'm trying to concentrate on my shooting so but you know we did more talking than shooting because since it was the first weekend that the range reopened we ran into a few executive members and yeah it was like (laughs) 10 10 minutes of shooting and maybe 40 minutes of talking so that was fun but uh and really without a whole lot said yeah, didn't really yeah. accomplish anything. <laughs> no, like it, it was supposed to be a productive conversation, but I mean, it yeah, it wasn't a whole lot said. But yeah. in the meantime, in the back of my head, I was sitting there going, "Oh, when are we gonna go to the range next? Because I need to prepare for maple seeds." So mm. I was just wondering, guys, like, what what do you think I need? What do I need to do? We need to get that sling from Benny. Yeah, that's yeah probably the first thing. Yeah, I would yeah. say the sling and uh, go over their positions and just practice getting in them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, it's more about, like, stretching so that you're limber enough to get into the positions. Think okay. of it more <laughs> that way. Like, the, the, the reason why I say that is because they're going to provide you with instruction, right? So they will teach yeah. you how to do it properly. So you don't want to almost build a bad habit of thinking, oh, well, I think this is how I should go prone or kneel, whatever. It's just an yeah. idea. But... If you have the flexibility to get into those positions, it makes it so when you get to the apple seed or maple seed, you're not, you know, hurt real bad the next day. Pretty much that's the easiest way to say it. So go see my chiropractor right before I go. Probably not <laughs> well, a bad you're, idea. you're lucky because the maple seed's only a one-day event. Apple seed's two days. The second day, George and I were in agony. So one day I could do, but it's – the other thing I would suggest is a good shooting mat because you are going to be on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd probably be a good yeah. So if I if I was a gentleman, I would offer her mine, but (laughs) but you are not a gentleman. (laughs) It is mine. I don't like to share. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I should probably. But if we're shooting at the same own. time, yeah, if we're right? shooting at yeah. the same time, it makes sense that I go and I get my own. So or a good good yoga it. mat, maybe. Do you have a yoga yeah, mat? That's what most people use. They just use your yoga mat or something. Yeah. You don't have to go out and spend hundred bucks in a shooting mat. You can. You want to keep keep it inexpensive. Your yoga mat. Just find ammunition that your gun likes to shoot. That Are you using be- a ten twenty two? I am. I believe I'm going to bring my Ruger 1022. Yeah. That's so. the most effective firearm to use. And the minimal mags is three. It's good to have four. Mm. How many and do you have? I have two. Okay. You just get another two magazines. And when you do your practice, what you want to do, because the course of fire, they won't have you do 10 rounds at once. You might have, they integrate a lot of mag changes in it. So you can have mags will always have two rounds, mags that have three rounds, and mags that have five rounds. So it's a good idea to make a magic marker and write on the actual steel up of the magazine, five round, three round, two rounds. That way, when you're doing your string, you grab the right magazine. Yeah. Oh, it's smart. Yeah, it is smart. Make yeah. sure you also look up what, uh, how much, how many rounds are going to be in your mag, because I thought it was two, eight, and ten. Mm. So I'm not saying I'm right, or is there anything? Yeah, looking at okay, the there's, there's some because it was it was it was an apple seed that I went to, so it was a make anything up to ten. It could be up to three magazines for ten rounds. So that's how I usually did like five, three, and two. Yeah, and you want to make sure that fingers your mags, crossed. You want to make sure your mags drop free easily. Um, sometimes yeah. they're a little sticky. Um, a trick that I learned from Miss Stacy was actually to put some lead weights in the bottom of your mags with Gorilla Glue. Give it a little weight to help it drop drop clear. That's an idea. I like that too. But your your ammo selection is going to be your biggest thing with the 1022 because they they're very fussy, especially when they start getting hot and gummed up. Um, yeah. You, you want to find a, an ammo where you're going to run a brick of ammo and not have any issues. Uh, I typically use the Blazers. They run okay. Yeah, they run okay. I rarely run into issues with them. The one I could never do was the Winchesters. Yeah. My 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 ten twenty two chokes on them. Oh dear. So well, thanks guys. I appreciate that. I just I hope that we're still going to be able to go because it's June twentieth. So. I think everything is just getting better. It is getting better, but maybe yeah. some of the tickets will be null and void because of, like, they can only take a smaller group. So who knows. Don't think yeah. like that. I have a match on the 20th. I know. <laughs> I know. Just look at their website, and if there's any changes, it'll be posted on the website, I would assume. Yeah. Yep. So that's about it for me, though. Yep. All right. What about you, Josh? Well, same as Amanda. We tried, our, <laughs> tried out the Ruger Angler. Oh, I was, for- uh... sorry. I forgot to ask. How does that, uh, that revolver load and reload? Could Amanda mention that it's a task? Well, it's interesting. I I think most single action revolvers do they not do they not click when they're indexing? This one just kind of free spins, so you have to make sure that you line it up really well before you try to put it in or before you try to eject, because um, it doesn't it doesn't really click into place to line everything up until you until you close the gate, then it'll index. But when yeah. the gate's open, it just free spins. I think usually so- at half cock. You can free spin, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the little the little latch the the window you're talking about where you open it up so you can see the chambers. Yeah, yeah. So yeah the I don't think those have any mechanism to do anything to like the trigger or whether you can shoot the gun or not. 
I had a single six Ruger and it, I don't remember it um, making a clicking sound, but you had to be careful because it, it wouldn't go back. So if you, if you overshot where your chamber was, you had to spin it again to get it round oh, again. Because okay. you had yeah. to get it purposely, like specifically right to get an ejector rod in there. Well, that definitely. Oh, the ejector rod. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's the thing. So there is an ejector rod. So after you putting in a uh, single, it doesn't like pop out. You turn it, pop the bullet in, turn it, pop the bullet in. And then when you try to eject it, you needed the ejector rod to pull it out. Um and, and the we, casing out, and we were having trouble with and that. And some of the casings, I think one one chamber was really bad, and the other one was a little bad. They were sticking. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So yeah. maybe I just got to clean it, let it get get it somewhere into it. Maybe it'll be fine. But yeah. um, you bought the fuge, but the guy did did they ever use it at all, or did they just He's, try and didn't like? He it? said it was unfired, and okay. it looked pretty clean. It didn't look like he'd really used it, so I believe him. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a burr, maybe a little bit of buildup of Cerakote. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Did you clean it when you got it? That was going to be my question. I, do, I said to Amanda, he's going to ask me if I cleaned it, and I didn't. I, I just just grabbed it and ran to the range. I should have cleaned it. He was too excited. Yeah, but you have to because if I guess he's never shot it. The original owner never shot it. You could have um, manufacturing milling marks. You could have pieces of metal in there. Yeah. You could have stuff built up that's causing your problem with the extraction, lubricant. Yeah. Yeah. I would always clean a barrel out before I, I shoot it because you never know what's in there. Yeah. No, yeah. I will definitely do that now. And we just wanted to run out and try it. We only had a small window of time. So we just ran out and did it. But yeah. I, I know that's the right thing to do. And I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a pain because even with the single action, you can't run a bore snake through it. Right. Unless you take the cylinder out and do it. Do each cylinder right. individually. It's not like a, an auto order. You can just run it through white once and, and you're a good to go. Apart pretty easy. I mean, it's just a button and a pin, so it wasn't. It's not too big a deal. But what's that button? What's that button called? What's the button called? Yeah, I'm not sure. Nobody ever gets. It's called a base pin because you said exactly what it was. It's a pin. It's called a base pin. Yeah. So on the club level safety course. Um, for CSSA, I think there's four different courses. Um, it's in one of the tests, but they don't mention what it is anywhere in the literature. So I should, you take that I one. Should, Everybody yeah. always fails that one because they don't know <laughs> what it is. So yeah. Anyway. Anyways, yeah. So what else did you get up to, Josh? That's that's really it. That's, that's it. All the gun-related stuff that I've done. Yeah. yeah. All right. How about you, Thomas? What have you been up to? Nothing gun related. Uh, not till I go back to work. Um, that's probably going to be after the fourteenth. I'm I'm a little sore anyway, so I don't really feel like I'm hiking to the range. Um, I don't think I talked about this How last are you week. Feeling? I was walking my dog, and I've got you know a big German short hair pointer, and we walk past the last house in the street, and I see this little tiny fence he's built between the uh, between the wall, his house, and the neighbor's property. And I, I see the dog back there. I said, man, that thing's not going to hold that dog. And I keep walking. And a split second later, I hear the pitter-patter of nails coming up behind me. And it was so fast. Like, normally, I would just grab my knife. And I would just put the dog down instantly if it's going to attack me. But the dog came up so fast, I only had time to grab the dog's collar. So I'm right wrestling these two dogs. I end up doing a somersault from the boulevard on the road. I'm being dragged. I'm, I'm taking, holding, trying to hold this bull massive from going after my dog. And it, it backed out of the collar and it went after my dog. And luckily, 
the guy across the street saw it was happening. He came out, picked up the dog, and literally threw it in the owner's house and slammed the door. So I didn't get bit. I got scratched to hell from the two dogs and from being I looked I looked like I dropped a motorcycle on the asphalt. That's how bad I got dragged across the asphalt. And Browning's ear is a little chewed up. And I think she's got one puncture on her face. But the dog was up to date on its shots, and my dogs had its shots. So, so I come home, and I'm, I, I got blood coming off me everywhere. My arms are bleeding, my elbows, my knees. So I have my shorts on, so there's blood on me everywhere. So I'm in the shower, and I'm trying to clean off all these wounds, and I hear a boom. And I come out, and I go, just about to yell at my wife, saying, what the heck are you doing? I have lectured her my entire life about when she's got her wheelchair parked to take it out of gear because the dog has come up a couple times and hit the throttle, right? And I lectured her, said, you don't see me pull up to a light and leave my car and drive. I put it, I have my foot, or whatever, but you just don't leave it in gear. She was throwing uh, a piece of clothing onto the bed, a jacket, and it caught the toggle switch and her power for her wheelchair and pinned it forward. So she hit the bed, and then we're talking like a 500-pound hospital bed with four brakes. The bedroom is 17 feet long. She jammed that wheel, that whole bed right across the whole because she couldn't get she couldn't uh unhook it she just slammed the bed right across the whole room she didn't break anything but she's got a blood blister the size of a cantaloupe on the one knee so she's been in bed for last eight nine days gets up goes to the washroom so it's been kind of rough i haven't had to time and i haven't been in a shape to go shooting because i got hurt then she got hurt so i've been going to the dog park I just I'm not I'm just not into it because I heard so much. When I was at the dog park um, yesterday, I actually met uh, Peter Dawson, aka 10x, and his son Simon, aka 9x, at the uh, at the dog park. So it was good to see uh, Peter. Um, they moved to Momville, which is great. So he's even closer to me now. I talked to them for a bit. I know that Simon was planning on going into the military because he did really well in the cadet, especially in the shooting. So he was really looking forward uh, starting school and going in. But uh, like a lot of young people, COVID shut down anybody that had, at, uh, was ready to go to basic training. So smart kid, what he did instead, he figured what, what things been happening. He decided to go to Trent instead. So he's um, going to get a degree in Trent. And then he's going to go back in, in the, into the, the military. So at least that way he'll start in as, a, as an officer at least. So, And what else? Um, hey, I reviewed that Phoenix UTU. You see 35 flashlight a few months ago, and it came with this little tiny sheath. And of course, I made the mistake of leaving it at the table, and my dog loves shiny things, and my little nylon sheath got shredded as a dog toy. Oh. So I went online, and I found um, they actually have a leather holster for that flashlight, and it's uh, designed for law enforcement. Hmm. So I ordered that. Fits fantastic. Looks really good. So now I got a half-decent leather holster for my flashlight. I like wearing it when I'm walking the dog or if I'm in the bush. I like to have a flashlight with me. And something, you know, strong. I don't like having a little tiny pen light that's going to last me a couple hours. I want something that's going to give me some illumination. And what else? Um, the only other thing, not gun-related, knife-related. I um, When I got that Kershaw bare knuckle a couple of years ago, I didn't like the black painted clips so i took you know the paint off and i was a little rough on it and i sort of took the edging off so i figured you know i wonder if kershaw will give me a new clip so you can actually go online and do a warranty repair thing so i lied i told them that i bent the clip i didn't bend the clip i well i i sort of bent it up a little bit 
but I didn't destroy the clip. So I just put, I bent my clip, you know, hoping I might get something. And when I'm on their website, it's free. If you bend a clip, they'll send you a new clip anyway. So I got a surprise in the mail. Not only did I get a, a new clip, they gave me a complete rebuild kit for it. So I got new bearings, new washers, new clips, new screws. So uh, the knife runs fantastic now. So that's that's awesome. Shout out to Kershaw. Awesome. The only thing they make that I like are the U.S.-made non-assisted knives, but with that kind of customer service. And I went onto their website, anything, their warranty is almost as good as bucks. So if if it's out of service, um, they'll replace it with something else. If they can fix it, they will. So you break a blade, 10 bucks. How long is it shipping? uh, It's two weeks. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I was really impressed. That's awesome. Well, the best one shipping was uh, last month, Terry decided she wanted the Benchmade. I ordered it on a Monday from BC, and it was here on the Wednesday. I've never had anything come that fast from BC. That was hers. Mine still took a week, but hers came in three days. But that's about it. Until I get back to work, another couple of weeks heal up, and then I'll probably be doing some guns and stuff. Hopefully, we'll have the range rentals up and running because I'm going crazy sitting here all day long with no pew, pew, pew. Yeah. Well, that's a crazy story about the, the dog attack, and we're we're all very happy to hear that you're, you're doing well right now. You know, I was going to call the police, and if I did, the dog would get put down. It's, it's that simple. But the guy has made a point every time I walk by, he always tries to pat my dog. Uh, the two little boys there, they, every time they see me, they run up and they pat the dog. So when I knocked on the door after it happened, because he wasn't there, he was at work and there was a babysitter. When I knocked on the door, I guess the, the, the two little boys didn't realize because uh, the babysitter knew what happened, but she, apparently she ran up in her room and locked herself upstairs and was crying afterwards. I guess, the, I think she's 16, so it really traumatized her. But when I went and knocked, <coughs> excuse me, knocked on the door, the youngest boy looked at me, he goes, what happened? I said, your dog attacked me in Browning. And he just said, oh. And I could just see in the kid's face that he knew what the consequences were. So if I didn't know the two little boys and the owner, I would have had him charged. But I just, I'm a dog lover. And I went back the next day and actually met the dog. And it's a really cute little bull mastiff. He just hates other dogs. So, Oh, dear. So I didn't do anything. So everybody has their dogs. I'm a little torn up. But hopefully it's a lesson for the guy. Yeah. Ultimately, I had an incident that um, I was dropping off my kids at a babysitter's with um Now, her dog is great with the kids, but with other dogs was not. And I guess I didn't shut the gate properly because I was running late. I didn't slam it properly. She managed to get out and she went and she attacked another dog. And luckily, they did not... Um, put the dog down uh, because that typically it would be a situation but there was actually no harm done to the dog itself and the reason why the guy ended up having a small nick on his hand was because he went and he put his hand by the dog's face when he was trying to separate them like he didn't try and grab by the collar he tried to go like in the face area so he admitted some mistake on that Um, But it's a very scary situation when it happens because dogs are animals and animals are naturally aggressive um, in certain situations. And people tend to forget that. Well, I've discovered because of this now, um, Brownie is extremely aggressive towards other dogs when she's on a leash. 
Yeah. If she doesn't know the dog, she gets extremely, like, I really have to struggle to hold her down. But I take her to the dog park and I take the leash off, she's fine. Once I put that leash on her, her, her whole demeanor changes. Yeah. I, I will say even my my Chloe, she's not, I wouldn't say she would hurt another dog, but she barks at them like crazy. And she does say, like, get out of my face. She doesn't really like other dogs at all. And she barks at them every time they walk past on the trail. And it's because she thinks that this is her property, her territory. So we've been having some issues that way where she's just very noisy. But um, luckily she has not gone up to hurt another dog. But she's she's pretty small too. But, you know, just because they're small doesn't mean that they can't do damage. So I always like to be mindful of that. So... It's, yes, a little, it's a little ankle biters that you gotta watch. Oh well, she's not quite an ankle biter, but she's, you know, she could she could hurt you if she wanted to, I'm sure. But I never had any issues until um, <coughs> whose dog was it first? Somebody stopped by with their dog at my house. It was my I, it was my girlfriend actually, yeah, and she she just lost her mind. She lives with three three cats for most of her life, and she was fine. But as soon as a new dog came in the situation, she just was not having it. She's like, I'm not getting bullied by another animal. Forget this. So, I don't know. She's just, she does not like other dogs too often. So. But I'm glad you're okay, and I'm glad Terry's okay, despite what happened. You know, accidents happen. But you guys just get better soon, okay? We will. We will. Yeah. So. Alrighty. Anyway, so uh, about a week ago, I uh, I went finally to SFRC and picked up my new Walter Q5 steel frame. Um, I really like the gun. Um, I like the weight to it. I haven't cleaned it yet, but I was going to go shoot it. So now I feel like I need to clean it, though. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I tried uh, I tried my my holster that I already had, um, but unfortunately it doesn't fit. the uh, oh. the The new steel frame, the uh, what do you call it? The part where you can mount like a flashlight underneath it, the rail there. The rail, yeah, yeah. It's the full length of the gun as opposed to the plastic one, which is only uh, whatever you call it, like a half rail. It don't it doesn't go all the way out to the muzzle. Oh, so you have a full length dust cover. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, so now I got to get a new holster. <laughs> How's the Darn trigger on it? That's what we were trying to avoid. I know. Well, I mean, I don't have to buy. I don't have to buy a new uh, magazine. I don't need to buy a new magazine holsters or holders. Okay. But and really, those magazines are expensive. We were talking sixty, seventy dollars a magazine. So oh, boy. Avoiding, yeah. avoiding that cost is good. Well, okay, so it's still kind of worth it. Oh yeah. I'm still happy. It's not like I'm upset now because I have to buy a new holster. It's just an excuse to buy a new holster. <laughs> get it. Yeah. So, Ellen Thomas, you asked how the trigger is. Um, I've made some modifications to my trigger on the plastic one. There's a spring you can swap out. So this one does feel heavier, but, I mean, it still feels good. Like, I like the reset on it. I like the, the length of pull. All the other things are, are quite smooth. I wonder if the lighter spring will fit the new gun. I don't see why it shouldn't because the spring was in like the the actual like trigger mechanism of it. 
And from so it's what probably I, the same spring then. From what I understand, like most of the gun is the same. Like outside of like the frame, because obviously it's steel and like the grips are a little different. Not like they they have the same contour, but they don't have the same adjustability. You can't take off the back straps because this is an all steel gun. Um, but yeah, I I think all the internals are the same. I mean, I'll have to take it apart and uh, swap out the spring and see how it goes. But no, I'm quite happy with it, and uh, I can't wait to get a holster and go run with it. Um, well, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, while I was there, I was browsing around, and I saw they had a Nanook display, and they happened to have, I don't know what the number is, but there's a, a Nanook case made just for revolvers. And I've emailed them a few times asking certain questions because when most people think of the revolver that you're going to put in there, you're thinking of like your model 19 year old police revolver. Whereas my revolvers are not like that. They have, you know, heavy weighted barrels. They have giant, uh, what do you call them? Big butt grips. Uh, Sarah has a red dot on it. They're, they're heavily modified. So I wanted to make sure that my modified revolvers would fit in this case. Well, I'm sorry, Nanook, but your customer service is terrible. You never got back. You never gave me good answers. Um, but luckily, at SFRC, they were nice enough. They allowed me to actually open up the case so I could look in it and make sure that it was essentially everything I wanted. And it was. So uh, I ended up walking away with a over $200 gun case that doesn't even fit the gun that I was there to pick up. <laughs> they're nice cases though they are they are. i've had the same thing with dan too english is not his first language and i tried to get him on a show actually and he was all he didn't understand me he had to go through his buddy to understand what he was doing yeah and he never did get back to me so mm -hmm. well yeah so anyways I, I was really happy that sfrc had one in stock and they were nice enough to let me open it up and look at it and yeah i'm very happy with it sarah's happy now because this case holds three revolvers, so it will hold hers as well whenever we go. That's the next question I was going to ask. So at least it's, you know, it, it's one for all, right? You don't yeah. Have to buy another. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I hate to say it, but I might have still bought it if it was only for two revolvers, but it, it is set up for three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it works out perfectly. So we both have our primary and then the one shared backup gun we have. So as long awesome. as... As long as Sarah doesn't buy a backup gun, her own backup gun, then we should be okay. Yeah, sounds good. Good yep. for you guys. I yep. think she needs a backup gun. Uh, I know. She needs at least two more. I see. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying to convince her, but uh, I think she is going to buy uh, her own Nanook case for her, for her two M&Ps for whenever she goes to matches, too. So I think she's excited about that. Because she has a cricket, so she's hoping to decorate it and make it uh, personalize it. So. Girlify it? I'm, I'm just going to say personalize it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to define it as girlizing it, then sure. But yeah. So no. are you are you are you that much happier with a, that expensive of a case over, say, a plano or something like that? Like, is it really is the value really there? I don't know. It's mostly it, what you know. It's waterproof, uh, shock resistant. Obviously, like the the latches and hinges aren't going to break. I guess. But. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider. I wouldn't compare it to a Plano. Um, but there's a, what's that other case? There's another um, Pelican. Pelican. Yeah, I, I would compare it more to a Pelican. So you've got a really thick, thick polymer. But they're they're up in price 
comparable. Yeah, they're the same. They're on the same prices. Yeah. You've got uh, a really so a really thick polymer, really over-engineered locking tab, so they won't snap. Uh, they've got a really big rubber gasket, so they're very airtight. And the Nooks, I believe, has a, a pressure valve, so you can actually open up the valve when you're flying, so the, the case doesn't because it's a, it's airtight, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to be worth the money and the size because this thing is also much larger than the Plano case or whatever it was I was using. So I don't know if it's necessarily going to be better for the local matches, but we bought it more for the we're going down to the States for three weeks kind of thing. Yeah, and that would be perfect. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, with COVID and everything, there was a chance that if I was going to shoot any matches in the States, I might have to fly to them. So it's nice. I I would I'm happy that I have this case for that possibility of ever flying. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure Sarah's happy because I mean she can look at it and she can say, "Well, you carry it. There's two of your guns, only one of mine, so you have to carry it." (laughs) And a couple more years, he's gonna get a little dolly to put it on because it's too heavy with all the guns in it. Yeah. Yeah. The problems I hope I have. (laughs) I get a dolly. I understand. Yep. Well, we all the know the is real. <laughs> yep. And then uh, I was uh, fortunate enough this week to have some free time in multiple days in a row. So I actually completed the rep challenge that we put out the uh, three days in a row of 10 kilometers and a fourth day with 25 kilometers. And I also managed to keep it with my goal of five kilometers an hour or more for the, for an average. So that's, that's amazing. That is totally awesome. I know that, but it wasn't the official four days. So you got to do it again. I know I have to do it again, <laughs> but I, I wanted to see if I could, because I kept doing yeah. like 10 kilometers. Yeah. And I kept thinking like, Oh, this isn't bad. I wonder. And I, and it just landed that, Hey, I can do four days in a row. And I'm like, well, once I'm at day three of doing three days in a row of 10 kilometers, I might as well go for the 25, right? Yeah. So That's awesome. Yeah, well, we're so... very proud of you and also angry every time I see your posts. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, then again, it's been Mike who's been really um, pushing us to do what yeah. we need to do. And I mean, Josh and I completed our first 10K, which is, that was pretty intense. And we got that done in about two hours. So we were at like 4.6 kilometers, 4.8. Yeah. You I feel... Been... Yeah, in two hours. That two hours would be five kilometers an hour. So you're very close. Yeah. Yeah, we were pretty pretty darn close there. So I was proud of ourselves, but I was like <coughs> jelly the next day. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But it was good. It was very very good. Yep. So awesome job, Mike. So what was the toughest part about the twenty five? Uh, I would say it starts somewhere around the fifteen kilometer mark. Um, I never really noticed the weight on me. Um. Really, back in January, I weighed as much as I do now with the weight vest on. So okay. carrying around that much weight wasn't really it didn't really bother me. But around the fifteen kilometers, so like three hours in, it started hurting the shoulders. I can imagine. Yeah. So did you do any running on the twenty five or was it all walking? The twenty five I did all walking. Yeah. Good. Yeah. The ten kilometers. The 10 kilometers I did have to run because so Sarah would do like a a walk with me for the first hour and Sarah doesn't walk at that speed, which is fine. And I'd rather go for a walk with her for an hour, but it meant I had to make up some time. So I did have to do some jogging to make up that difference. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Hey, any ways to make it work. So we've been uh, 
trying to uh, get the kids involved in some shape or form. So what did we do the last time that really worked? Oh, we. I don't think anything, anything's working really well. <laughs> not, not great, but I mean, when we went to the park or the the school playground, right? Right. They could play on the playground, and we could. We walked around the schoolyard. Walked around the schoolyard, so we were able to get a bunch done there. Um, what else did we do? But that was more for the five five kilometers. Yeah. Because he just like yeah they they'll kind of run up to us afterwards and like. We're bored. What you doing? Can we go home? Can we get ice cream? Uh, what's next? You know, yeah. just something. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it was a little bit nicer to know that we could still watch them. And it was the same with the part of our ruck that we were doing before was at the other park. We do like this big trail with the kids, whether they're biking or walking, <laughs> which actually my son got really excited about. And uh, he's like, I want 15 pounds on my back. <laughs> and he's eight so and i just bought him new running shoes and he's like so can i get cool gear if if i start doing this regularly and we're like well yeah so because what he wants is like the fitbit okay. and, and so yeah, he can track ready. his steps and stuff because the girls have one already from a, a christmas gift but i said if you're serious about this then we can do something but <laughs> i'm not gonna you know just get it just because so Fingers crossed we can get them more excited, but definitely the younger ones are not as keen to be rucking, but the two older are... Yeah, Chelsea walked last. Chelsea, Chelsea walked, yeah. Yeah. But she um, she had a stuffy in her backpack <laughs> and a couple granola bars, like, so <laughs> that's about as far as it went for her. But she did do the whole walk with us, so that was cool. That's good, so, yeah. And any way that you can get the family involved and we can still do our thing, that'd be great. Yep. I think so. Good for you guys, though. Good for you. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. Any blisters? Uh, nope. None yet. The only thing, the only thing that hurt the day after the twenty-five was my knee was killing me, which is a new pain that I'm not used to. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. No. Well, Josh got his new hiking shoes in, so he's got to break them in. He's been good doing his smaller walks with them, mm -hmm. and they're Merrells. Um, what was the? Do you oh, remember, remember any of the specifics? But no. they're they, we ended up it's getting a hiking them, shoe. Yeah, but we got them on sale from Sport Check because they had their friends and family event. Well, you you saw good. what I was dealing with before, so I definitely yeah. needed. <laughs> yeah, those grandpa gardening shoes, dad shoes, dad shoes. The, the white New Balances with grass stains. But oh, yeah, they're totally like twelve years old and totally pooched. Yeah, twelve years old guys. <laughs> This is what I'm dealing with. <laughs> At least they weren't Velcro. <laughs> oh my god, no! It's already like it's it's taken me a lot to get used to the Birkenstock clogs. Those are retirement home shoes, like <laughs> you know. Like I can handle the Berk sandals. I'm having a hard time buying them for myself. I like they look comfortable, but I couldn't. I don't know. If I just they look so. Chunky, I don't know. <laughs> Works better for a man than it does a woman, I think. But I mean, it's all all for it. But yeah. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> so we can move on to our uh, main topic this week, and the topic is your first gun. Um. So first off, I want to ask everyone. So what was the first gun that you got, uh, Thomas? What was it? Um. When I was 
I'm trying to think how old I was. I was 10. 10, well, maybe 11. Yeah, grade 5. I got a Winchester Cooey single shot. Um, it was so hard to, to cock that stupid. It took all my strength. I had to use both both hands to pull that stupid thing back. And then in grade 9, because uh, I proved that I was safe and proficient, they bought me the Winchester Cooey semi-auto. But the first one I actually bought myself. Um, I make the mistake. I made the make the mistake of a, a lot of new shooters do or did. I bought the cheapest single shot twelve gauge I could find for my first shotgun, and it was a piece of crap. And it probably lasted six months before the extractor seized on it, and it was not repairable. Oh, jeez. So I bought uh, strictly on price point. I didn't have the money. I I, I think I paid like $100 for it, 120 It was an Italian-made. It looked really nice, but it was a piece of crap. Um, the good thing is, is that right around that time, uh, the Toronto police were having a gun buyback. You turn in a gun. I figured, well, it was a piece of crap anyway. I'm, I'm just going to th- destroy it anyway. So I, And it was random what you'd get in the envelopes. So uh, I turned it in. And I, I won a like seven hundred, eight hundred dollar bicycle. I got like seven, eight hundred dollars for the bicycle when I sold it, and I bought a better shotgun. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I made the mistake a, a lot of new shooters do. I, I, I shopped on price point because um, I didn't know a lot about uh, long guns back then. So yeah. So what did you like about that uh, single shot twenty two that you first got? The thing I liked about the Kui was that it was extremely accurate. It was a tack driver, and a box of 50 would last me hours because it was um, a Blondo gun club. It, I was, what, 10 years old. Uh, we shot prone, standard bullseye targets, and for less than a dollar, because I get two bucks, I could shoot all afternoon with that thing. Yeah. Because we'd, we'd all shoot a target, and everything would, we'd have to clear the line, go get the targets, and every, everything got scored. So <clears throat> I much preferred the semi-auto. Yeah. But the, the thing I liked about the single shot is I could shoot anything. If I had shorts or long or long rifles, I could shoot it. So, Yeah. What about you, Josh? What was your first gun? Oh, my first gun was a Cooey as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's a theme going here. Yeah, for sure. The Canadian um, theme. That's right. And that's that's a good reason to get one, I think. Um, <laughs> what influences me, that's for sure. But my, my actual first guns were something I inherited from my grandpa. I think I've mentioned that before. I got a couple of shotguns from him, single-shot Cooey shotguns. And that kind of ignited my uh, my interest in guns. And the first one I picked for myself, I think kind of because I got interested in Cooey's, was, a, was a, a Cooey 600. It's the Winchester Cooey version of the 60. And it's just a repeating bolt-action uh, tube-fed 22. So that's the first one I picked for myself, and I was pretty happy with it for a long time. I really enjoyed shooting that one too. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it was the first gun that I learned how to shoot with. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, it's easy peasy. It was pretty accurate as well, and rarely had a malfunction. So, and do you still have it, Josh? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't all that long ago. <laughs> it was only, I don't know, four, three, four years ago. Yeah. Well, not all of us were born in the Stone Age. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I discovered guns late in life. A lot yep. of misspent youth. So yep. so did I. So yep. yeah, that's just the way it goes. So yeah, so the shotguns. You said that's what really got you into interested in it, though, right? Yeah. Well, I mean that that's 
I had kind of thought about guns here and there, you know, but I just never took the jump into. I don't. Th- I don't think I had anybody to to get me into it, right? And then all of a sudden, these fell in my lap, and I started getting into it and researching it and going out and trying them, and it just kind of went from there. So. And when you tried the shotguns, were you trying them shooting like trap, or were you just shooting like a stationary target? Yeah, actually, it was at Jeff's uh, shoot in his field uh, shooting uh, clays. Oh so. yeah. Yeah, yeah that is that is a lot, that is a lot of fun. I can see how that would really rope you into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, what about the the Kui's? The bolt action. You said it was a six hundred, right? Yeah, Kui six hundred. Yeah. So. And you like well, that? I, just, I just think it's good for a for a newbie because you don't have to you don't have to worry about too much. I mean, it's uh, kind of what Thomas said. I mean, it's not a single shot, but. It's still a little bit slower. The ammo lasts longer. It's cheaper, just 22s. And and they'll shoot shorts as well. Um, yeah, it's just uh, kind of just a simple way to go about it, I think, just, you know, from a new a new shooter perspective. Yeah. So, Amanda, what, what was your first uh, what was your first gun? It was the Savage Mark II. And uh, I'd originally gotten it because uh, after trying... I was lucky enough that Josh was able to have uh, a single action. And I did debate on a Kui single action. I just didn't find one that I was super excited about. For um, a single shot. For a single shot, yeah. Okay. yeah, Or even a repeater. I would have been okay with a repeater too. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely tried those. I tried Josh's uh, uh, Savage A22, is it? Yep. Yep, A22. And I liked it, but I hated it all in the same go. And I found it really, <laughs> I found it really heavy. And I mean, I liked the semi-auto, but I couldn't uh, put the safety on very well. My fingers are short, and it's just this little, this little. Um, sorry, it was the the, not the trigger lock. What am I thinking of? Oh, the. Uh... The bolt doesn't lock back, so there's a little oh, button on the bottom. It is the worst button in the entire universe. <laughs> I hated it, but overall... I think it's because you're a lefty. I don't know. It's I, just, I find it... Like, once you get the hang of it, it's it's nothing, right? But then again, you have a lot of yeah. trouble with my 1022. Right. Right? With yeah. the... It's locking and unlocking. So, I mean, I found it was also really heavy, So, but... I had an opportunity to try a few different styles of rifles, and my one of my favorites was the the bolt action. So I knew I had some some experience, so I was being able to look around, and that price point was really important to me. Uh, I couldn't afford anything super expensive. Like I saw all sorts of left-handed tikas, and they're what. $1,000 to $3,000, <laughs> like, depending. So yeah. not 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 for... Uh, well, and I, the Savage 20, that's another Canadian-made gun, so that's good. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, the, the Savage gun is, it was it was uh, $300 or maybe 289 used, and they had plenty of left-handed, and I got a, a Lakefield, uh, one that was made in Lakefield. Oh, awesome. So I was, yeah, so it was really cool. I had the wood stock. It was everything I wanted it to be. And uh, I love it. Mm-hmm. Super accurate, nice and light. Uh, even with the wood stock, um, uh, very. I hardly have any issues with it. The only time I do is when I realized I was using 
blazers. I had bought a bucket of bullets, the the Remington bucket of bullets, I believe it was the golden, golden bullets. bullets. Yeah, yeah, golden bullets. And uh, those ran through that very very well but i was trying to track my accuracy and i knew that those bucket of bullets were not going to do it justice so i had bought blazers and because of the waxy tip it caused all sorts of problems for my gun and i could not it would not load properly ever was that the extraction too the extraction was a real pain in the butt as well but that was more on the 1022 I think was the extraction. Yeah. So, but yeah, so it just, it gummed it all up and I would get so mad that I, I would just, I give up after about 20 minutes. I was PO'd. So okay, can I, I interrupt you for a second then? Sure. What time of year were you shooting the blazers? Cold. It was cold weather. Okay. Cause what they, what I do with a lot of 22s is that in the heel of the bullet, they put a lubricant on it. Um, okay. With the plain lead, they put the waxing wax coating on top. So yeah. with the blazers, when it's cold, it's wax. So it will gum up. It's, so it's yeah. not it's not a good round to use in the cold weather. Anything that's got a wax coating, you don't want to use in the cold weather. Well, because it heats I, up when you shoot it, it, it heats up, and yeah. then it, it, it drips. So it, you actually get wet wax residue, and it just gums everything right up. Yeah, I I just decided to stay away from wax altogether from that point. And I mean, I. <sighs> My, I, I went right back to my bucket of bullets because it just did me just fine for what I was doing and planking, right? So yep. uh, I was very, very happy. And it was, I, again, maybe a bit more nostalgic for me because that was my moment of freedom after my separation. The day he moved out was the day that I bought that gun. So it, it, <laughs> I like was, it. So, so it's almost like I mean? a separation. I'm getting armed. Yeah, exactly. So it was... It, I don't think a whole lot could have gone wrong with that gun. Whereas <laughs> with my 1022, even though I like it a lot more now, it wasn't, I had a lot of trouble with it. I I was very frustrated with it and it took a while to warm myself up to it. So yeah. yeah but I, I understand everyone's first gun always holds like a special place in their heart, but yours kind of had a second story on top of it too. Yeah, yeah. it does. It does. So that's good. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm going to be the person to break the trend. You all okay. got bolt action 22s that are Canadian made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bought a Ruger 1022 right from the get go. You're um, smart. So I, I actually bounced around a lot between getting a bolt action 22 or a semi-auto. And I just thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to outgrow that bolt action so fast. I'm going to want a semi. So I just jumped right in and got it. Um, I picked it I picked it after who knows how many hours of watching uh, YouTube videos and everything because I knew nothing about guns and like Josh said you know when you're new and getting into it lots of times it can be really hard and scary to try and find someone who you can talk to and figure all this stuff out with so I pretty much was just going off of YouTube and what the, the store clerk said so I ended up getting the Ruger 1022 and uh, I really like it um, I think it's a great starter gun. Like I understand, you know, it, the ammunition does not last nearly as long as, you know, it does with a bolt gun. But I also think that there's another fun factor that comes from, you know, when you first get into it, being able to unload, well, back then you could unload 25 rounds, you know, as fast as you can. Uh, there, there was definitely a fun factor in there. And it, uh, I think it helped keep me in it longer into the shooting. 
So. I like what you said, too. When you get it, you can get this the basic starter gun, and yep. it's fine for anybody. But if you want to start competing or getting into a maple seed or apple seed, it's an excellent platform for modifications. Yep. It reminds me, the one thing I was going to tell you, if you're for your for your maple seed and your 1022, if you want to make life a lot easier, get an auto bolt release. It's a $15 part. You pull it back, it locks. Pull it back again, and it slams forward. You don't have to worry about locking that little tab. Once you get it locked in, you just pull the bolt back, and it slides forward. I hate that little tab. Or it'll if, it'll make life so much easier. Or if you trust Josh, or you could do it yourself. There's no reason why you couldn't. Uh, a file will uh, get make your uh, bolt into an auto bolt release. True. Yeah. True. It's it's not a hard modification to do. So I should get Josh to do that to my 1022. Then. Well, the reason why I said get Josh to do it is because then if he breaks it, then he has to buy you another one. If you <laughs> yes. break it yourself, then you're just out. Totally. Yeah. If, you, if you don't want to do that, Volk Quartz and sell them, and they're like 15 bucks. Yeah. Well, again, I have a left-handed issue. So I was looking at the um, – what's the brand? starts with a T. Uh, Tandem Cross. Tandem Cross has this left-handed um, um, pull that you can attach a little. It's like a, a little straight bar that goes through, and it'll pull it from the right side. But you're you can do left or right then, and it's really cool. I I but it was almost ninety dollars I think for the yeah. piece that goes on top. Um, and I I did didn't know if it was worthwhile so i just got used to using the right side but i was very much into left-handed <laughs> yeah. i wanted left-handed everything and that was my only qualm as a hmm. um a left-handed person was the extraction comes out on the right side and all the other functions are on the um the right side except for the mag release and the lock right the the action lock so it was very i did enjoy it was a good starter gun overall and i would say 80 percent of people that i talked to said learn to shoot right-handed because that's that's just it's gonna make your life so much easier but it's it's not possible for me i is your is your mark two left-handed it is good good it is yes and i believe it or not there was almost a 20 to Forty dollar more increase for being left-handed, yep. but um, I, I personally would do it hands down. Yeah, it, for me it made sense. If you're right eye dominant, then you could probably get away with shooting right-handed. But I'm left eye and left-handed, so yep. makes sense. Yep. For a while, Sarah was. We still don't know what happened, but uh, at some point in time during childbirth. Her dominant eye switched, so she really? became left eye dominant. Yeah, so when she would shoot handgun, she could shoot it right-handed. But when she shot rifle, she was learning how to shoot left-handed, so she could use her left eye dominant side. Yeah. So the the, the second child didn't put it back. Uh, the second child did put it back, or at least we oh, assume really? we assume that he did. We're not really a hundred percent sure when it switched back, but at some point in time, it switched back. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So. <laughs> we don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe now that Sarah's back on her right eye, she's like, no more kids because I don't want it to switch back. <laughs> that or we're having, it, it's either two or none. Your choice. You're getting fixed, son. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So. 
Well, anyway, I would say 1022 well, is a good gun, though. Since we're on the topic of eyes, uh, do you recommend that people stick with iron sights or get a scope right away for a new shooter? Oh, that is a difficult question. I, I think that a red dot is the best thing you could get. Really? Yeah. I, I agree with Mike, especially if it's a younger shooter. It's much easier just to get, if you want them to maintain interest, one focal point, one target, they hit the target, they're happy. If you have to start teaching them, depends how old they are. Like once you're nine or ten, then you can usually teach them irons. But for the younger kids, red dots are easier. Yeah, yeah. I've been, and, I've been and new adults how to too. Describe that. How to describe that to my kids, right? Like you mm-hmm. kind of use your fingers and put your fingers out and show them what the post looks like. But you know, I don't know that they're really getting it. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. And and it becomes work, right? And I mean, the other part of it too is. If you're not good enough, then you're not going to hit the target, and that can be very discouraging. Yeah. So, before my club did a – we changed some things up in the club in the last year. We used to really only be able to shoot – well, you could shoot your twenty twos on the pistol bay, but there's a, it's a lot nicer on the rifle bay because there's benches, especially for a small child. Um, yeah. But there, you have to shoot 50, 50 yards. So if you're not good, like I hate to say it, but if you're not good enough to hit the target, you're not going to hit it. And then, like, how do you tell your kid that you're trying to encourage to shoot? Like, nope, you can use the same target because you missed every shot. <laughs> so yeah, that's discouraging. The, the red dot will get them there so that they should at least be hitting paper, even if it's at 50 yards. Um, but the problem with the scope is that with the scope, you can always crank it so high. And they might not understand that turning it back is a good thing. They might think, no, I want to actually be able to like read the fine print on my target and have it so <laughs> zoomed in. The other thing, too, is that that means that they can also see every shot. So let's say that they take a shot. They might spend their whole time looking for it to see how they did instead of just enjoying the experience and taking multiple shots. It also might cause frustration when before they even go down there, they can see, hey, I didn't hit the bullseye, you know, but I can zoom in on the fine print of it. Right. So, That's a fair yeah. statement. Yeah. Um, I tried now, once again, I'm trying to teach a four-year-old. I tried to explain the sights to her and I have explained it to her and she says she gets it, but I don't really trust her. But putting the red (laughs) dot on the target that she understands and I can tell that she's doing it now because she's actually moving the rifle around more to actually get the red dot to be on the target. Perfect. So I can kind of tell that she's understanding it and I think she's enjoying it more. And that's really a big thing, right? You want people to have fun and enjoy it. And if they want to take on the challenge of iron sights later on, great. But if they decide that, you know, if it's too hard from the beginning, then they're never going to come around for that second try anyways. So bringing up kids then, uh, I noticed, so um, Thomas, you said that the gun that you got as a kid, it was just way too hard to manage. You're, uh, Mike, you're teaching your kids with something. What do you guys recommend? Well, Mike did the right, the, the proper thing. He's got a youth size gun. It's yeah. a really small cricket. It's perfect for, for a young child where I had a full size 22. Money. I was six. I was like, yeah. I've been six foot two since grade five, but I still, I didn't have the strength in my hands to, to cock it. It was meant for an adult, not for a child. Mm-hmm. This, okay. it, it's actually the Savage Rascal, which from what I understand is sim- very similar to the cricket. Um, okay. But it's a single shot bolt action 22. So okay. we, I teach her and she goes through every time she racks it. And I don't think she realizes that she's cocking it every time she moves the bolt back. 
right uh, now we we rack it every time now she doesn't necessarily understand that that resets the trigger either but i tell her that she needs to rack it every time to make sure that there's not a round in there so every time she racks it and i ask her is there a bullet in there she says no so mm-hmm. i'm getting her into checking her own gun when she dry fires too that's smart yeah i was just thinking because we have a pellet gun mm-hmm. i don't know uh, I, your girls used it once a couple times a couple yeah. times so I mean, is that the way to go first before looking at a a rascal or a cricket? I don't know. I jumped right to a 22. Yeah. I kind of, and I kind of understand this. I remember, I think, Benny telling us one time he was not allowed to have toy guns growing up because his parents wanted him to be like, no, there are real guns or there's no guns. And they okay. didn't want the kids to have like a toy gun where they might get confused between what's real and what's a toy. So, is a is a a pellet gun or a BB gun a real gun? Yeah, like I'm I'm not here to dispute that, especially to a child. It's a real gun, but well, that's part of the I, reason what, why we went right to a real gun. What I do to help with that is I I keep it in the safe with a trigger lock and I treat it like it's a, like it's a regular gun. Yep. And I think that is the right thing to do because if they, yeah. if your kids see you slacking off on safety, then they will start slacking off on safety. One hundred percent. And air guns are considered firearms now, so. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. So. Um. <laughs> Anyways, so now that we've talked about our first gun and what first gun you should get for your kid, Josh, what do you think is the best first gun for? We'll say I'm assuming an adult getting into this. Well, I, I always uh, subscribe to the get a 22 first and learn how to shoot, learn the fundamentals, and then go bigger. Um, that's mainly, mainly I push that with handguns, but rifles a little different. But still, same same idea applies. I mean, it's no recoil to manage. You're just kind of working on your on your fundamentals, and it's cheap to shoot. You can shoot all day for an affordable price, and I don't know. It can be a lot of fun as well. Yep. Oh, yeah. Good but I know, I know with handguns, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people buy like a 45 ACP or something for their first gun. And I think they're kind of nuts and, you know, if they can shoot better than me, then we'll talk. But I think, you know, starting, starting with my victory 22, I think it was a smart choice just because yeah. I, you know, I learned how to shoot first and mm-hmm. it's a different animal when you start managing recoil. Yeah. But so you, you wanted think... to get a nine millimeter at first. I was thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, you talked me out of it. I talked you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> And that's and that was good advice, and that's what I that, and and with my experience that I I push that now because I've been through it and I it was the right thing to do. Yeah. So you'd say a twenty two rifle or pistol? Do you have any in particular that you like? Like you actually have a couple of twenty two handguns now, right? Well, all I have is my I have my Victory. That was my first one. And you and have your Wrangler. And I have my Wrangler now. Yeah. yeah. So. I think that's kind of neat uh, for, you know, maybe a first-time shooter or a kid to, to learn with that, too, because it's, you know, basically a single shot. Yep. So it would be a good one to practice on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think for a, for a 9 mil, I, I'm really happy with my, my GP100 or my, uh, because it's uh, uh, striker-fired. And I just find that, you know, when I was learning how to, to use my holster and do competitions, I didn't have to worry about a lot because there's no there's no hammer, there's no cocking or decocking, or didn't have to worry about the safety because it's just a blade safety, and it was just super simple. I just you know rack the slide and holster it basically. So it was really really yeah. an easy way to go. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. 
What about you, Amanda? What are your thoughts? Well, I think first we need to look at what style of shooting you're looking to do first off. Most people get their pal first uh, and go from there. Some people jump right to our pal. Some uh, get their pal with uh, the only notion that they want to go hunting. So my thoughts are first we need to dissect that and then you can go from there. If you're learning straight off the bat, I hundred uh, just target shooting. Then I agree with Josh with the 22s. I definitely uh, would recommend the bolt action um, uh, to start because it gives you time to stop and think as a newbie and and to concentrate and not to flail around and accidentally hit that trigger um, a couple times and you know while you're losing control. So I I think it's a great way of pacing yourself and being ready for what's coming. It's not that the 22 has any gusto to it, but, you know, for a new shooter, it, it could be, they don't know what to expect. They could be a little bit more jumpy. You just don't know. Yeah. But if you're going to be hunting, um, then you will probably want to jump into shotguns right away because um, there's a lot more you can do with it, I think, uh, to what kind of game that you want to, to hunt. So well, who, I, I, was, I, that, was that Holly that joined? She, yeah, Holly. She, yeah, she, she got an wanted to be a hunter no. right away and got a shotgun. Yeah. That was her first gun. Was her an first gun was an eight eight seventy. Yeah. Uh, I think her husband had. Well, what gate was it? A twelve gauge? Yeah. No. Yeah, she got a twelve gauge yeah. eight seventy, and she caught her deer uh, deer in the first hunt within a couple hours. Oh wow. She was. Yeah, That's she got fun. real. She got really lucky, but she had a good group of people, I think, that had scoped out the area as well. But yeah, her first hunt, she got one down, and she was the only one that did. So that was pretty exciting. Well, I got my her. turkey in an hour and a half. So yeah, but, but did she get a beer delivered to her? Yeah, right. No, I don't think so. No, I'd no. have to ask her, but we have to see. And dropped off and picked up from the blind. No, just picked up. I had, to walk out, I had to walk out there myself, carrying my gun. <laughs> and it was uphill the, the whole yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> and it was snowing that day. <laughs> you wish. But no, uh, so unless you're doing something specialty like just hunting, then, yeah, again, just going back to what Josh said, I would stick with the 22 first and work your way up. And I would say don't be spending more than $500 in my opinion on something because a 22 really I would want to save the big bucks for a, well, see if you a like higher it. caliber see if you and, like shooting right yeah see if you like shooting in the first place right then it's not a complete yeah uh waste if you don't or if you don't end up using it cuz like somebody goes for the go big or go home and they shoot what five times <laughs> in their lifetime and then it's kinda, sitting there no like the value of firearms is kind of interesting to me because when i first got into it you know i had never looked at prices of guns i i just assumed like i'd be spending a thousand dollars on a gun just because i thought guns were really expensive right and then i start looking around it's like oh holy crap i can get a cooey oh, for 75 bucks that's pretty awesome right so uh you know it kind of just showed you that you can the barrier of entry is pretty low just to get into it so yeah yeah. yeah, in that regard, it, it's not a not a high class sport. Like anyone can do it. But then, then once you get into it, you could the sky's the limit, I guess, on what you can spend. But oh, just it to get is. It here, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, next you're buying three hundred dollar cases for your guns. You know, like. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. 
I'm happy and not happy about that at the same time. I'm happy I have it. I'm just not happy that I had to pay for it. But it's like anything else. The more you do it, the more you, you don't worry about spending the money. And it's just, yeah. you know. It's and just... you know what? Like, for how much I've invested into these guns, if I drop my case, like walking up, like oh, co- yeah. going to shoot World or something like that, and I think to myself, I wouldn't spend, like, what wouldn't I spend at that moment? to have bought this case right that's a very good point yeah so yeah. that's where i care a lot and like i said like i said a big part also is flying right because i just don't trust what's going to happen to my luggage while it's flying so fair enough yeah so what about you thomas what do you think well, it makes a great first gun well that had a good point because you, you want to clarify what you're, you're going to actually use it for right so like if you're just getting into hunting I think the important thing is the first gun that you get should one that should actually fit you. Because I've seen a lot of people go up, especially with younger shooters, just to get their license, 12 or 13, they put this big, massive gun in their hands. Um, I, I, I agree with the rest of the guys. I really think, unless you've got practical experience behind you, the 22 is the best way to go. It's going to be cheaper to shoot, cheaper to buy, and you can get down the fundamentals. And I made the mistake of my first handgun was a 9mm. Because I figured, I've already got lots of twenty two rifles. I don't need a twenty two pistol. Um, I had a very hard time learning how to shoot it accurately. <laughs> I really did. So, I remember my, uh, my friend Jameson Ross. Um, I'm struggling with it. And I'm, he let me shoot his twenty two. And he said, Tom, honestly, get a twenty two. You can work on your stance, your grip, and all. And he did a lot of coaching for me. So, yeah, I took his advice. And I, 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 went, and I bought the twenty two. Then I became much better with the nine millimeter. Yeah, what nine millimeter was it? I bought a Ruger P ninety four again, like my first lot of new people. I bought the cheapest handgun I could find. I bought <laughs> it solely based on price. Yeah. Oh yeah, I understand that. Was that that really ugly silver one you showed me when I was at your house? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I still <laughs> <have> it. <laughs> that was the, the ugliest gun I've ever seen. It oh, was wow. Block. <laughs> It's, it, you take it and you shake it and it rattles. That a nice trigger. Post, you got to post a picture of that one, I think. I was going to say, I want to see what this thing looks like. So, yeah, send us a picture, Thomas. It wouldn't group. It would not group. So, have to, it wasn't really me. It was the freaking gun. But, yeah. Yeah. That's but, interesting. I'm curious if we could do a post. I'm sidebarring <laughs> for a second. Like, a, who has the ugliest gun? <laughs> actually funny. There, there was a problem with the gun because I sent it back to Ruger and they replaced the barrel on it. Because oh. she was so bad. Oh, that's awful. Then do, you, do you have any concern about safety when you cheap out? You know, are you, are you, I guess if it's, you know, a, a, a decent name like a Ruger, I guess, you or know, savage, or a or... Savage, but I don't know, like you a high point, you know, like, would you trust it? <laughs> it really depends on the gun. Um, you got to really be careful, especially if you're buying, say, an old Milserp. Um, <laughs> I had a friend of mine um, recently bought a Styre, Styre 17, I think it is. Which is the original rotating bolt, which is where um, Jarrow got the idea for the grandpa versus in the Steyr. And luckily, he brought it up to the gun counter. He goes, I want a second opinion. Can you guys have a look at this? Do you think it's, it's, it's safe to fire? And I took one look down the barrel. I said, don't fire this. It's, it's a wall hanger. So, but he bought it without looking down the barrel. He, did, he wanted the gun itself. So you can, you can get good value in used guns. It's when he's start getting some of the Milserp stuff that's coming in. You don't know the history of the gun, what's been inside, what's been done to it. So 
you can get a cheap 22 or a cheap gun, but odds are it's it's not going to last. You'll wear it out. So I would just do reviews, go on to YouTube, research whatever you're going to get, and go on Google, do reviews, see what kind of a reputation the company has. You mentioned High Points. They actually have one of the best customer services in the industry. Yeah, I've heard that. Their warranty is transferable. Oh, wow. That's good. So you can get, you can get like in the States, you can get a 9mm for under 200 bucks. They they go. They never stop. The triggers are horrible. They look horrendous, but they work. Works. Yeah. Funny. You show up. You show up at the range with one. I will laugh at you. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. I would not laugh at you if you showed up to my match with the high point. Well, you know nowadays um, the high point nine millimeter carbine has gotten popular because now it's non-restricted. It was restricted before because the barrel length. Yeah. And they're cheap. They're like 400 bucks. So you're going to see guys running these things in matches that don't have a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, I've seen a few of them. A few people because they just want to try out this new PCC pistol caliber carbine. Yeah. PCC division. And they just look up, hey, what's the cheapest, you know, nine mil carbine I can get? And they can pick up one of those. And magazines, I assume, are relatively affordable. So... Yeah, the guns are affordable. Um, they and I, they actually, the version up here they made just for the Canadian market, because when we were at Shot Show. I was uh, Winston and I were looking at them, and you know he he was trashing them, mm-hmm. and I and and I'm actually backing up the company. He said, "Well, no, they're and the the sales rep was actually eavesdropping. He said, "No, actually, they're made for a price point. They're made for people that can't get a gun that may need it for self. You know, they're they're made for the the single mom." who's on a fixed income, who doesn't have a lot of money, who wants to protect her, her family. And I said, I, I have the carbine, but it's prohi- it's restricted because the barrel length. She goes, oh, no, no, we've got a Canadian variant. So they, the one that's out here, they made just for the Canadian market. Yeah. Because the magazines before they had in them were the Clinton assault uh, weapons ban. So they were five-round mags. Oh. And, and, and you couldn't run. I can't run their 10-round pistol mags in my rifle. They don't fit. But the new ones, I think you can. I think they changed the magazines of them. I could be wrong. If you own one, let me know. But I think you can run the high-power um, pistol mags in them now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm mostly on board with everyone else on this one, that a 22 rifle is not a bad choice. The one thing I will say, though, is that having a semi-auto was a lot of fun. And, like, I understand the idea of, like, going slow and learning the basics and stuff like that. But there's definitely something that if you're not having enough fun then you're not going to want to go do it. And you're not going to want to learn how to get better. You know what I mean? So. Great. Yep. Oh, it's funny. I felt like I kind of went full circle on that. I started out with the repeater, and then I got the semi-auto, and then I got into a couple of Kui single shots, and I really enjoy using them at competitions. Yeah. and But it all depends on your style, right? Yeah, what I, you're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So not that I'm using my 1022 for any sort of competition, really, but I enjoy that more faster pace games, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's why I can see that. So part of my thought is also like pick something that, like Amanda almost said when she was talking about like hunting, pick something that you think will suit you. Because I don't think it's necessarily wrong to go out and buy a 12 gauge or a 20 gauge for your first firearm either. Because if that's what you think will excite you or if you've ever tried shooting trap and that's what makes you you know, excited to go out there and do it, then I think it's a great thing to go get. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, I also understand that with shotguns, they kind of 
it they kind of stink in a way because like you said you buy something that's relatively cheaper you're trying it out seeing if you like it or not usually those are always the shotguns that kick the hardest and are the hardest to work right? <laughs> whereas if you like you have to pretty much go all the way up to a semi or well pretty much a semi before you really start getting that recoil reduction and I mean, you can buy some over-unders, but even I think the, I'll call, I'll call them budget over-unders, you're still talking seven, $800. Yeah. So yeah. that's the only downside to it. But I don't know. I wish that when I had started shooting, so I, start, I started shooting 22s and then Sarah won her 22 to 50. I think I got an SKS and I think that's when I switched over to pistol somewhere in there. Um, and I did what everyone said. I bought a twenty-two pistol, and I hate it, and I never shoot it. And it's <laughs> not it? just because I hate the gun. I just have no desire to go shoot twenty-two. And I really wish that someone had told me to buy a centerfire caliber first. So I'm almost in the opposite boat of of Thomas. I would have wish I had bought a nine millimeter right from the beginning. So. Hmm. I guess it For really. Them- Depends on your your because obviously, um, like you're a competitive person, you you like thrill a little bit there. So I mean, you needed something to get your juices going, right? Because yeah. you're um, a fast learner. You're you you wanted excitement from it, which I will say, twenty twos are not super exciting by yeah. any means. But then, so, but then at what point did you decide to go revolver? I went revolver, I want to say, after my first full year of shooting IDPA. And the reason why I went, I went revolver specifically because Jerry Mitchellick told me to. (laughs) Not in a dream, literally in a YouTube video. He said, if you want to get good shooting handgun, shoot a revolver. Because if you can shoot a revolver, then you can shoot anything. That's kind of the gif of the message. And I thought, hey, I want to shoot great with my gun. So I'm going to get a revolver so I can get better with it. And then I just fell in love with the revolver instead. So oh, wow. I think that was Jerry's tactic all along. Who knows? But, <laughs> just trying yeah. to sell more guns. Yeah. No. But I mean, and I mean, in hand in hand with that, I'd also say I did a dumb thing too. So I bought a 22 uh, semi-auto at first. I shot it for a little bit. I got bored of it very quickly. I wanted to go with a bigger caliber and I did the classic mistake of I bought the cheapest thing. And I think I might be able to beat you, Thomas. I bought a TT-33 or did it just T-33? Oh, the Tokarov? Yeah, the Tokarov. The World War II eight round made, you know, way before I was born. Does and... a bullet even make it to the backstop? Oh, they make it to the backstop. They're peppy. Yep. They, 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 they are quite peppy. Um but one of the things that caught me is I knew I wanted to get into competition, but I was too dumb to read the rules before I bought that gun. And I found uh, out after that that gun, the 7.62 by 25, I think it is, is too small for any competition. Well, and the steel core ammo. Ah, steel core is club to club. Right, but I'm saying it might limit you. Oh, yes, it would have limited me. But what essentially happened is I bought my 22. I shot it a few times. I was like, this is dumb. I should have bought a centerfire caliber. So I bought the cheapest centerfire caliber I could and then immediately regretted it when I found out I couldn't shoot any matches with it. Oh. So. Yeah. No, fair enough. So, I yeah. know the. Do you still have it? 
because I, I know Josh wants it. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I have me. it, and well, <laughs> I have it, and I don't know five thousand rounds for it—a crate or something like that. I don't know how many it's in the crate. I picked oh, them up at an auction years ago, and I just never shot it. I've been wanting one for years, but I never—I've never done it. But. No. It's it's a cool gun. Is Mike got a deal for you? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a cool gun, and I like yeah. it as a gun. But it's it's very much a it is a product of a time, which is fine if that's what you're looking for. Yep. But I am a more modern person, so like I, I'm not into history. I'm not into all that kind of stuff. So it doesn't really mean anything to me that it's from World War II. But to someone else, it might mean that. Josh um, likes old things. Like vintage things, antique things. Well, my SKS needs a friend, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, I don't know. His everything, even his. Uh, he's got some really cool tools in his garage there that are from what, the forties. From 50s. the forties and fifties, they're really, really neat, and they're well kept and yeah. still usable. So, um, and, yeah, he definitely likes that vintage feel. Yep, and I have no problem with it. If that's what floats your boat, then go ahead. Uh, you know, I'm happy. That's a collector's thing. That's yeah. not a competition. Thing. Yeah. I'm happy for you. It's just not my thing. So, yeah. Well, but I mean, give us a call if you're getting rid of it then. Pardon me? <laughs> I said, then Mike, give us a call if you're going to get rid of it. Mike, then. Mike doesn't sell guns. I, I, I don't sell, sell I don't sell guns. Yeah. Jeez. So. One day I will get in so much financial hardship that I will have to sell it and I will give you a call. There you go. That's fine. Yeah. So yeah. So that's what I think. I because I I think that most people, even new new people, if you think that you want to get into competition, I think you can handle a nine millimeter. And I think you'd be a lot happier if that's what's driving you. I think it would make you a lot happier being able to get right into it. And it doesn't mean that you have to go out and buy a two thousand dollar or and trust me, they go way up from there, expensive gun. Sarah's first Sarah's first nine millimeter was the M and P and now she has like I don't know. She has a bunch of them now because she loved them. So you never really know. There's a lot of good stuff that isn't expensive or terribly expensive that you can well, get. I think the good thing about my choice of getting the twenty two uh handgun was that our all of our club level stuff was with twenty twos. So all the, you know, the Saturday morning breakfast shoots, we'd have little competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'd have Thursday night bullseye league and it, everything just seemed to revolve around 22 handgun for the club level stuff that we were doing. Mm-hmm. So it was really, really good for me to, to make that my first choice. Cause I was able to participate in all of that. Yeah. And that, that's exactly the point though, right? If you knew that, know that your club holds a lot of 22 stuff and that's what you're into, then go ahead yeah. get a 22. I'm never going to say no, you're, you're making yeah. the, the wrong choice for yourself. Yeah, that's just, my, yeah, that's just yeah. reinforcing the point. Just find out what's going on around you and what you want to do, right? Yeah, well, that yeah, read the rules, find out what 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 will actually make you happy in the end, right? Yeah, what's going to drive you? Because I know I know having a long or like a, a high powered gun isn't really my my gusto. I don't mind shooting <laughs> once in a while with something with a little more gusto, but my hands are smaller and. I find my wrists in itself, like I'll shoot a couple rounds and I'm, I'm tired. I'm, they're sore, they're achy, it's done. So yep. I want to be able to shoot for a longer period of time. <laughs> I still remember the first time you shot the Tokarev, you, you like turned and you looked at me and like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did love it. A 
trust me, but it wasn't one that I shot more than five rounds on it because <laughs> it hurt, right? Yeah. But it was it was the blast that went and hit my face. <laughs> it was a gust of air that hit my face and blew my hair back as the flame <laughs> shot off. It was it was amazing. Um and it definitely got me excited, don't get me wrong, but just to, it it yeah. went boom. I loved it. Yeah. Loved yeah. it. But I mean, again, not very practical when you're learning the fundamentals. No. And that's no. the thing. If you want to be a good shooter, you want to learn the fundamentals. So nothing more than a nine millimeter oh, in yeah. those situations. Yeah. Right? Like yep. What's that other gun that you shot that somebody brought in and it was, it cost like. Oh, the Smith & Wesson 500? There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. Don't buy that's that. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, a, that's ridiculous. That's a collector's and, piece. That's it. No, I, I would have shot it more. I just didn't. I felt bad about spending the money for the ammo. That's I felt true. Bad for using the guy's, the guy's money. Yeah, my, that's. My buddy picked up a 500 during COVID and I'm still waiting to go shoot it. So. Oh yeah. well, let us know how that goes. Yeah, well, I, so he's been he's been playing around with the ammunition, and he apparently took some people shooting, and they said it was too weak for them. Now this is the guy that likes to you know push buttons, so who knows? But uh, I think he was telling me seven hundred grain bullet going something like thirteen hundred feet per second. Wow! So like a bullet that is. <laughs> Going faster than what I shoot in competition and six times the weight. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's another thing, too. A lot of people are getting new in the sport. You know, they, they want the advantage of a nine millimeter because it's used worldwide for all the military. The cost of the ammo is relatively inexpensive. Mm-hmm. But it's when you start looking, go look at a box of 357s and, or a box of 38 to see what they cost you nowadays or a box of 45s. So the ammo selection or the caliber is going to make a big difference in how much it can actually cost you to run that gun. So the 9mm is a good choice for a center fire because anything bigger than that, unless you're reloading, it's going to cost you a lot of money to run it. Yeah. The only asterisk I would put on that is if you want to, if you're interested in getting into competition and you're interested in revolvers like i then get yourself a 357 and shoot 38 through it. It's just, that's just what you have to do. Or you could go all the way and get a 929 and load that with nine millimeter that would be nice too yeah i mean that uh that's a big upfront cost for someone who doesn't know if they want to like someone who's getting into it but i mean that gun is heavy it will teach you how to shoot because it's uh it's a nice shooting gun but, but yeah so a lot of things to consider if you're a new shooter pretty much the moral of the story is don't get anything that's too don't get anything that's ginormous and uh you know and I know this is hard to do, like, and I had this issue too when I was getting into shooting. I didn't know who to ask. Like, even after I got in, I'll air quote this, got into shooting and I was, like, shooting twenty two, I was just going to, uh, to like, a public range where you pay your 10, 20 bucks, whatever it is, to, for the day to shoot and just shoot. Like, I didn't have friends or family that were into it, but you'd be surprised at how nice people are if you went to the range and you just asked around and asked if you could try something especially if you have an idea of what you want and you see someone shooting it absolutely i will 100 percent. not only was josh a good 
sharer, but every time we went and there were other people there right away, they were like, you want to try it? Want to hold it? You're like, here you go. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's, the it's, only it's, people who don't want to let you hold it are people who have really expensive guns and people who don't want you to shoot it are ones who are shooting 500 Smith & Wesson, which you shouldn't be shooting. Yeah. Or at least I should say, put an asterisk on that. You can go ahead and shoot it. Just be prepared. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I know Thomas has brought this up in other conversations, kind of be beware the gun club deals, like as a new shooter. Yeah, yeah, that does happen. Yeah. So, so uh, you usually recommend somebody just for their first purchase, go get a new one. Don't worry about other people's problems and get something new. Or, you know, I guess if you have someone trusted, then yeah. it's okay. But Or even if you want to buy something new or used, sorry, um, buy it through a store because they have a reputation to hold up too, right? They might not buy you the most or sell you the most pristine gun, but they'll probably make sure that it works before they sell it to you. And a lot of times the, the, the guy at the clerk, you know, he's say where I work, for example, I'm hourly. I don't make any money on whatever you buy. So if you ask my opinion, I'll give you my honest opinion. If you say, well, what do you think, this one or this one? And I said, well, if it was me, I'd go for that one. Mm-hmm. So same with the use. Like I've had people come in the use section and they'll, they'll ask me, what do you suggest? What do you think of this one? And I'd say, on this one, I'd pass. Yeah. You know, for that kind of money, you can get new ones. So. Mm-hmm. But Mike had a very valid point about the ranges because that's how I got it. I learned how to shoot. I just happened to make friends with some people that were very top-notch shooters and they took the time to coach me and, and then I I was suggested I take a coaching course and a few courses. So it was my, my fellow shooters at the gun club that actually helped me mm-hmm. learn. Yep. That's I, awesome. I will say there's a lot of resources out there on YouTube. You just got to put in the time to watch them. And also, and I know this is an impossible thing to say, but avoid bad information. But I understand when you're new, you don't know what is bad information. So, Well, yeah, just don't watch one YouTube video and be done. So because you, you, I want to when I'm looking at videos, I look at consistency in the information. So, yeah. OK, yeah, they, they said the same thing. Oh, they tweaked it slightly. You know, uh, it, it took multiple it, as long as you go through at least four or five and then you can kind of get the just that maybe four out of the five do it this way. Yeah. Then, then you know that that's pretty a, a pretty consistent way of saying okay, this is this is good, or you know, even when they're doing reviews, pros and cons, right? So yeah. on products, so. Yep. Yep, that's a good point. So. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you are out there thinking about your first gun, wondering if it's a good idea or not, you are always welcome to send us a message, and we will gladly talk to you, and help you help coach you through your whole first purchase, and you can do that through uh, our Facebook page, or you can send us an email at host at newshootercanada.ca. Or if you're local, we'll take you shooting. Yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Find out. Done that. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to take someone shooting, but we have a no guest policy right now, so. True. Mind you, that's all I think supposed to end in like a week or two, so. Yeah. Mm, They might keep the guest policy for a while. Pardon me? We kept the guest, the no guest policy policy like when we opened up we still had no guests oh yeah it was just immediate family members only but well, each range will have its own rules when as things slowly start to open up yep. yeah. so hopefully yep hopefully anyway so why don't we move on to our listener email i can read the first one here hello been listening and enjoying the show for a while now i was wondering if i could reach out to mike about his 3d printed feeder project I know he mentioned that he had a motor that was reversing and initially wasn't sure if it would be a good fit for the project, 
but actually turned out to work quite well. I am looking at doing a similar project and would like to hear a bit more about the one he built. Really enjoying the show. Awesome host, guest, and topics content. Keep up the great work, everyone. Chris. Oh, thanks, Chris. Yeah, yes, that's a great email. Chris. Yeah. It's nice to hear some feedback. Yeah. So I will start off with about the actual uh, like things that I found. I'm pretty sure I found everything off uh, Thingiverse. I believe the original designer of it is, uh, I want to say his name or his handle is Ammo Mike. Um, and through that, searching that, I found all the main components that you need to actually do it. So you'll find a bowl, um, you'll find different correlator plates for different calibers. Um, but there were a couple that I found, and I, I think I found them all on Thingiverse. If you're into 3D printing, you'll know the website, thingiverse.com. Anyways, I found a lot of stuff on there, and I found someone who had actually designed the bowl for different motors. So you could essentially pick out what motor you wanted to use and print off a bowl so that it would have the proper uh, holes for mounting it. Now, ironically, I did that, and my mount didn't work properly. The holes weren't lined up. But I managed to mount one on there, and it is as tight as that sucker is ever going to get. So I'm not super concerned about it. Um, oh, what motor was it that I actually ended up buying? Uh, let me look this up real quick. I picked mine off of, literally I went through, I think there were about five different motor options and I opened them all up and I looked through who had them on, uh, Amazon because that's how I do most of my shopping these days, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, so I just went through and I found them and I found, to be honest, the cheapest motor because I figured filament wasn't that expensive. I could always print off another one if I couldn't find it. But of course, I just got locked out of my Amazon account, so I can't even figure out what motor it is. It was one of the cheap ones. I want to say it was something like CYKK um, and it had options and it, you could get it forward reverse or forward slash reverse. Um, the forward slash reverse ended up being the absolute best thing I could have mistakenly bought. Um, it, what it will actually do is it seemed to see like a limit. So if something gets caught up in there in the whole process of correlating the, uh, the bullet, it will sense that extra stress and it will actually reverse. And then when it senses stress again, it will flip back. So it will only flip back so far because of one of the mechanisms that ensures that your bullets are facing the right way as it comes around. And I don't remember off the top of my head. If you print it off, it, it looks like a circle with a hook on it. Anyways, that will catch if it accidentally goes in reverse. So it actually works out perfectly that if it gets jammed going forward, it will go reverse just enough for that thing to catch. That will jam it, and it will go back to forward again. I have found that that works just perfectly. Um, I use a bullet feeder die that I printed. Once again, I found that on Thingiverse, and you can find them for all different caliber, different size bullets. You just match up what you want with what you're getting. And that's pretty much it. I I mounted mine right to my bullet or my case feeder. Uh, I just went and found the appropriate length bolt, just ran it through. It's not that much weight, and the case feeder for my Hornady lock and load is on like a steel steel square bar. I'm not worried about that thing. It is strong enough. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's that's most of at least the overview of it. Um, I printed everything on my Creality, uh, what's this? It's Creality Ender 3. Um, 
all my filament was uh, the Amazon <laughs> one, the um, AmaZ3D. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it. If you go to Amazon, it's their their filament. Um, and I think I printed everything at, I want to say, a 0.2 layer height, which I found was a nice balance of, I mean, it could have gone quicker if I'd gone with a 0.3, but I found that this had a nice speed to it, and I got a nice finished quality out of it as well. Perfect. Um, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, Chris, if you have any other questions, I'm sure Mike would be happy to answer them. Yep. So go ahead and uh, do so. But that was a great explanation. Yep. I can read this one. Sure. This this next email. Uh, two in one episode. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Well, I'm glad to hear that you have enthusiastically accepted the Ruck March Challenge. One of your hosts appears to have taken it too far. I have been voluntold into doing part of it as well. And I am not one for rucking. Please consider other family members before accepting such challenges in the future. Please keep up the great work, Sarah. Oh my goodness. Uh, who Sarah's at? I have <laughs> no idea. Who could this be? <laughs> who would try and encourage their partner to go on a 10 kilometer walk with them? Well, Josh did. Yeah. Jeez, he kind of pushed the whole group in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, and then it's like, oh, so are we going for a wreck today? Are we going for a wreck today? Are we going for a wreck today? Josh wants to go after the show here. So oh, we'll okay. see if that works out. Yeah. I don't know. I think she was trying to sabotage me. She poured me a whiskey before the show here. So. Yeah. Everything starts yeah. slowing down. Uh, you know, maybe we'll just stay in tonight. Yeah. Yeah, but I did agree to a morning one if we if we got up early because we actually have no kids today. Oh, so that's that's a very rare moment. So you want to take advantage of it. Oh, so. I understand. That that's part of the reason why I did all the rucking I did this week. I'm who knows when I'm going to go again. I might be done. So what do other couples do when they don't have kids? We go rucking. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, we the can't go shooting. No. Yeah, right. No, but I mean, the last time we had no kids, which actually... That's when we did our 10K. That's when we did our 10K, yeah. So oh. maybe we'll do a 10K tomorrow. Tonight. Who knows? Or tonight. Who knows? Or tonight knows? and tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I feel so bad, Sarah, but I'm sure it's all for the better. And I think we were talking about it a little bit earlier about how it can be a really great family thing. I mean... 10k with a, a, a young child is maybe not no. uh, the greatest but I mean uh, constantly Josh's kids are uh, hitting 10,000 steps they're running around they're doing their thing it's just getting them to focus to do it right yeah. so well it's one of those it, things it's... right when when it's fun then it's, it's just fun they don't realize that they're getting exercise yeah exactly yeah so but what can you do? So I, I, I pity Sarah, but yes. you know, I, I have to say I do enjoy Mike and beast mode. Yeah. So it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to watch his, uh, his rucks on Strava and how fast he's going. And Josh is cursing going, Jesus, he's beating me. <laughs> oh, how can he go that fast? And you're not the only one. He's, um, is it Andrew or Gavin? Yeah, Andrew from Ragnarok. Andrew from Ragnarok. He, he has him on uh, Strava as well. So he sees how fast he's going too. And he's just like, how? And like, and like, and like 40 pounds. 
and yeah, and carrying forty pound bags. So it's it's like, how is he doing that? Yeah. So well, once this is all over, we have to think about what we can get Mike to do next. <laughs> that. No, no, you're you're not just gonna drag him in. You're not gonna open your big mouth and not be involved yourself. So, yeah. hey, now. Did yeah. you buy your your medals and your uh, stuff from from Masul? Because now you know you can do it. Uh, yeah, so I was looking at their website and uh, their goal. So I was kind of curious, like, what is better? You know what I mean? Like, how do you how do you how are you scaled? And it, according to the website, it looks like you're strictly scaled or scored based on distance. So pretty much as long as you carry the minimum weight, it doesn't matter how far or how fast you do it as long as you meet a certain distance. So right now the question is, is do I want to increase my distance? Do I want to try and increase my speed? I could increase the weight, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think I should do? I would say distance. If yeah. but the thing, the only problem with distance is time. Yes. Because uh, it's creating that time for yourself to do so. But if you can do it, that'd be great. If not, then maybe try carrying the weight. Yeah, I, I know think, those. I think the opposite. I think go for go, go for, for doing weight. the same thing, but you know, increase weight. the weight because that's more of a more of a workout, right? Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily running, but you know. Oh yeah. Yep. No, yeah. I got you. I'll have to. I'll have to consider it. Because what would what would a standard weight? You know, what what do they do in basic training? If if you were in the military, how much weight would you carry? I have no idea. I have no idea. That is not a question. I know the answer to. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, I'm thinking that 22 pounds is really not much, right? But that's just for their day packs. But if you're talking yeah. about, they're probably 50, 60 pounds. Probably. When it comes to their overnight bags, like they'll. <laughs> because they got to be prepared for everything. So, yeah, their... I think if you since you've easily completed the distance, I think it's really the weight that you need to focus on now. Yeah. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll consider it and I'll uh, see what I see what I can come up with. Yeah. But, but if you have any feedback, questions or comments, uh, you can uh, send an email to host at newshootercanada.ca our Facebook page, or in the comment section on the website at newshootercanada.ca. So, shout-outs. Thomas, do you have any shout-outs? Thomas? Oh. Oh. He must be out rucking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, I am confident. That is what it is. All the talk, he just got so encouraged. He's like, I'm My microphone now. was muted. No wonder nobody's heard me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice it till just now. It was flicked it off. I was like, "Oops!" How long has it been like that? Uh, probably for about ten minutes because I coughed and I turned it on when I coughed. And I, I said a couple of things and nobody responded. That well, okay. <laughs> so Phoenix flashlights. Um, I give them a shout out because I was really impressed that the holster that I ordered is actually made in Canada. The flashlight's made in China, but it's nice to have a made in Canada holster to go with it. So I like that. So Phoenix flashlight, and I got it like a couple days. So. That's about it. What about you, Mike? My shout-out is to Josh. I know you're not angry, but you are disappointed that I didn't get to the range this week. But I did <laughs> But I did build what I'm going to now refer to as my new hunting blind, otherwise known <gasps> as my child's three-story playground. 
okay, the big reveal is here. I was wondering what that was going to be about. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to take a better photo. It, it, just the way my property laid out, it's a, it's a nice view right over the field. <laughs> oh, that would be perfect. Awesome. Yep. I about... just think about the guy that's sitting in the hot tub with the shotgun. Yeah, that meme. That <laughs> meme, yeah. Well, I don't have a hot tub, so. No. Yeah. no. I was thinking it would be really bad for the gun to be around that moisture, yeah. but, you yeah. know, it was it was a cool thought at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Then you'd have to clean the gun, and uh, that's too much work. Yeah, I, I agree. So. What, what about you, Amanda? Who do you have a shout-out for? Uh, I will give two shout outs. One to my parents. They've been giving me their trailer so that I can do a bunch of garden work. So thank you, mom and dad. I appreciate it. Over the last two weeks, we've gotten four yards of mulch. And uh, it's just amazing how quickly it goes around the garden. You know, just trying to spruce things up. But then I'll give another shout out to uh, Josh Schmidt who is the gentleman who we bought the the mulch from. Uh, really, really nice guy. Has a lovely little family, and it's it's a little Amish home there. So they have their mulch business as well as their farm. So He's my tree guy. He's who I call when there's tree issues at work. So. Yeah, like really, really, really nice guy. We got a, like, it's a very reasonable price, and yeah. You go in there almost whenever, and he's got he's got it ready for you. So awesome! Very good. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Josh? You have a shout out? Well, I'll give a shout out to Amanda oh. for, for uh, indulging my harebrained schemes and going along with me on all the ideas that I get. We got bees this week, and she dove right in, and she was a real trooper there, and yeah. she got the suit, got the hat, and the veil, and the gloves, and dove right in. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah, that was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, then. Um, Thomas, you want to take us on out of here? Okay, until next week, keep your barrels downrange and smoking. Time spent at the range is time spent with family. Choose your caliber wisely. Go ahead and shoot like a girl. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. I really like 22 men. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small, they're for sale till I want them all. I like guns, I like guns, I like guns. <laughs>